this is Metal Mike, and in this episode of the 80s Glam Metal Cast, I talk with super talented guitarist and keyboardist from Pretty Maids, Chris Laney. Chris has been in so many cool bands, like Zan Clan with Zinni Zan from Shotgun Messiah and Randy Piper's Animal. He's also a critically acclaimed producer. We have a great conversation. Check it out. So Chris, welcome to the 80s Glam Metal Cast. How you doing today, man? I'm just awesome. <laughs> I'm on the idiot metal cast, you know? <laughs> it's right where you belong, right? Exactly. I mean, uh, I'm actually a, a big fan of the podcast. I'm listening to every single episode because it's the kind of music that I love. And, I mean, of course, you, you get to interview all the artists that I love. So, it's awesome. Oh, that means a lot, Chris. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you, man. All right, so we've got a new year. Uh, 2021. What are you working on? You working on anything for this year? Yeah, right now I'm I'm still doing this uh, at the movies, which is uh, it started off like one of those COVID-19 projects. You know, we we wanted to do do one song. You know, mm-hmm. from uh, you know from the movies, uh, from the 80s movies started out with, and and it ended up like 10, and it became an album. And we did this Indiegogo campaign, and you know, and it was very successful. So. Um, it's been a lot of fun, uh, but now we're actually doing '90s movies. But that doesn't say it's not '80s music in the '90s music in films. You know? So, um, so I'm doing that, and uh, I'm also working uh, uh, with Kim Marcello right now from Europe, uh, mixing his live album. So there's a lot of stuff going on. Oh, great! I, I love Key. He's a cool guy, super cool guy. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. How about uh, Pretty Maids? Anything going to happen this year for Pretty Maids? Well, we do hope so. I mean, uh, to be honest, the band is turning 40 years old wow. this year. So it would be a big shame if we couldn't do anything, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I mean, it's all, there are so many sides to this because Ronnie, our singer, he uh, has cancer. It's actually stage four cancer, which is like, you know, we don't know how long, you know. So uh, th- this whole virus thing is, uh, you know, is uh, it's quite, you know, the, the, the big thing here because of his health, you know, because he can't get this, you know. So, um, but, but hopefully, I mean, uh, it, it's in our heads. We want to do something special this year, but uh, I can't, I can't say more than that. I mean, the whole industry is uh, so fucked up right now. So, you know, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're all yeah. we're all praying for Ronnie because I know it's kind of been up and down, but. Uh, you know, we're all praying for him. Yeah, thank you for that. I mean, he's such a good guy. I mean, we're talking every day. I mean, I, I produced his uh, soul album that will be out in March. Okay. Uh, which you know, 80s fans will love because there's a lot of 80s into that album, yeah. you know. <laughs> uh, but um, the thing is, he's a good spirit and it feels really good right now. But, you know, when you have stage four cancer, you, you live in like three months, you know, at the time, you know, and do a new scanning and, you know. So that's just the way we need to live with this. Now, were you a fan of them back in the day? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I was in a band back in, I think it was 87 or something like that. You know, uh, we just wrote a new song. And I was very young. I mean, uh, we're going to be like 13 or something like that, uh-huh. you know. We were listening to the, the new album, Huge World. And I remember we were so proud of this song we just wrote. But when we heard that record... Everyone just went straight home without saying goodbye or nothing. <laughs> totally, you know. Uh, so, um, and of course, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a huge Freak Mates fan. So, for, for me to join the band is like, 
it's like the movie Rockstar. You know? Right, right. You know, what's funny for me is that I, I wasn't very familiar with Pretty Maids until about maybe about five years ago. And uh, mm-hmm. I think I heard Partners in Crime off of Jump the Gun, and I just went crazy. Mm-hmm. I know everybody always talks about Future World, which is great, but, man, I, I love Jump the Gun. Uh, me too, me too. I mean, that that is my absolute favorite album. I have, uh, I hold Jump the Gun as number one. Uh, as number two, I say um, uh, Syndicate. Yeah. And then I must say um, the third must be like the comeback album, so to speak, um, Pandemonium. Uh, so those three are my, my absolute favorites. But but the thing is, uh, my old band, 17, when I was a teenager, we we always played Red Out and Heavy as an extra number, you know, uh, anchor when we were out playing. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it, it's in my blood and veins, you know. Yeah, something about Jump the Gun, man. It's like every song is good, you know, like Savage Heart, Headlines, Don't Settle for Less. I mean, it's just it's so good, oh, so oh, catchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I fucking love that album. I do, <laughs> I do. And the thing is, the, the, the fun part is that we don't play, or the sad part, we don't play that many from right, that album, right. you know. But... Um, now the last last tour we did, we actually played uh, a couple from there, which was fun. Uh, I mean, uh, and we also actually played Syndicate from Syndicate, you know. Mm-hmm. And we did some new material that hasn't been played in a long, long time, you know. So it was really cool. Well, even the recent albums, like the ones you're on, are, are amazing. They're very consistent. They're just pretty Maids is a consistent band, you know what I mean? Undress Your Madness is great. Thank you, thank you. No, no, but I I see it that way. I mean, they never actually made a, a bad album, uh, you know. Uh, in the 90s, maybe, I, I wasn't so fond of the sound that was coming out, but the songs are there. But, yeah. I mean, everything became low budget, you know, right, right. like for every so-called 80s band, you know. Yep. Uh, smaller record labels, you know, less budget and all that. But, I mean, the songs are there, you know. So. And also, I mean, first time I saw Pretty May was in... 1990, and I was blown away. I mean, they've always been a good live band. So to become a part of it, it's it's a dream come true. It is. Well, you've definitely played with some other 80s heroes too. So we got to talk about that. So you played with Zinny Zan in Zan Clan. What was it like working with Zinny? Yeah, that was like the best. I mean, we had so much fun, man. We had so much fun. It all started off because I'm a huge Shot the Messiah fan. Yeah, me too. Uh, no, but uh, the thing is, I met him at the rock club here in Stockholm, and uh, you know, it took me like two weekends until I got the balls or was drunk enough to actually go and you know talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when I did that, I invited him to my studio. And before he arrived, I'd written like three songs that I thought he would like. You know, mm-hmm. this would be so cool. It would be like Shotgun Messiah, you know. And he came to the studio, he was a gentleman and signed all my stuff and all that. And, you know, I said, hey, I got to play you some tracks. And he was like, yeah. So we recorded two of those songs. And after he, he lived like far from Stockholm right there, you know, in the woods somewhere. So like halfway, he called me back and go like, hey, Chris, we got to have a bad. Nice. (laughs) And I was like, "You're, you're kidding me, you know. So, and then he asked me, who should join, and I had all my friends, so in a day, we were back, and uh, that's how Sanklan came to be. You know? oh, that's awesome. You know, I've talked to him a few different times. He's always been awesome to me, and, uh, you know, that sh- first Shotgun Messiah album, I know a lot of people love the second coming, but for me, that first album, that was the first time I heard him. I love that first album. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm totally with you. I, I mean, I love the second, too, but the first one is like, 
that's my DNA. Yep. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> me so, too. And and Zini is, to be honest, he's like he's a brother to me. Mm-hmm. And our kids, you know, we have two 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 daughters. They are like best friends. My daughter is actually here today, and she's going to meet his daughter Jasmine pretty soon. So we're still like family, even though we don't play together. Oh, you know? that's awesome. It's, one of the nicest guys. So speaking of these '80s bands that you love that that came out of you know America and all over the world, what are some of the bands that you grew up on that you love? Yeah, it start, it starting with I mean, if we only going to do the '80s stuff, uh, I'd go for. Ooh, there are so many. Where should I start? But, but of course, I love Striper. I love Shot the Messiah. I do like the the three first uh, Warrant albums. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vincent, holy shit! I mean, he's my hero. <laughs> uh, but uh, Bullet Boys I mean the first Bullet Boys album with Smooth Up India and all these songs is like holy crap man yeah. and Madame X and I, you know I, I'm such a fanboy <laughs> you know, me too I, I <laughs> and, and I still listen to all of this I mean TNT from Norway with Tony Arnold on vocals uh, fantastic love them you know the, the list can go on and on and on and I, I would actually stretch everything to 92, pretty much, because yeah. then we have, like, Heaven's Edge and bands like that happening, you know. So uh, there's a lot of good stuff. And I got to say Wasp, because Wasp was a major influence on me, you know, so. Okay, well, that's a good segue, because you played with Randy Piper in Randy Piper's Animal. How did this come about? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, it came about like this. I, I got the album called 900 Pound Steam or something. And it was just horrible. It, to, to begin with, it was mixed in mono. Come on. Wow. I mean, and it sounded like someone recorded it with their iPhone in the settlement. I, it was just horrible. So uh, after a few glasses on Saturday night, I, I sent a text or an email to the manager and said like, hey, I, I can't see my, my items, you know, this way. So... I'll gladly remix it for free, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, then Piper called me up and he said, yeah, 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 you know what. And then I did like this. I went in and I made a demo of one of their songs, you know. Mm-hmm. This is how it could sound, you know. And then it, t- it didn't take long. Then he called me up and said like, hey, man, what size are you? And I was like, w- what do you mean? I would want you to join this uh, tour we're doing right now because Chris Holmes can't leave uh, L.A. because of legal issues. Okay. And I was like, I, come on. I mean, I have a, I don't know how old my dog was, but like three or four years old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they wanted to go like, I'm in Sweden, for fuck's sake, going on Monday. You know, <laughs> it doesn't happen like that, you know. So, and th- then it was quiet for a while. And uh, then Rich and Piper called me up and said, hey, man, we really want to work with you. We fired the rest of the band. It didn't work out. Too much drugs and shit. And uh, so I wrote two albums. Uh, uh, one called uh, Violent New Breed and one called Virus mm-hmm. and uh, I'm really proud of these albums I am I mean uh, I went to Cincinnati because that, that's where Piper lived and I gotta tell you when I went into the customs the, the guy in the customs he said like hey man welcome to Cincinnati are you here for business or pleasure and I said pleasure and he said good luck sir <laughs> 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 yeah but, but uh, well, we had fun. And, uh, I mean, that was my first trip to the States as well. And it was the first time we, we actually saw each other, you know. So we were uh, having a good time. We were drinking tons of beers. And he actually got hold of one of those Betamax 
players. So he showed me like circus, circus stuff, you know, old pre-wasp stuff, and you know, it was just an amazing trip. And then I I got us to do like a a tour in Scandinavia that could pay us so we could make a a second album as well. So. The, the, the only bad thing was that it all ended in a bad way. But but that's how things happen sometimes. I'm still like friends with Rich. We were like best buddies still. But uh, me and Piper has spoken for like five years. Or gotcha. People like like anybody listening who hasn't heard these albums and you like Wasp, you got to check them out because I mean it, it really has the Wasp spirit there. The vocalist kind of sounds like Blackie, but not completely. And just the whole thing really works. It, it really has that Wasp vibe. I, I like it. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's like wasp, but a little bit more melodic, even. Yeah, I, I would say. I mean, when when uh, when, when wasp is looking to the who, we're more looking to the eighties. Yeah, so to speak. You know, so I'm very proud of these. You you got to check it out. I mean, they're everywhere, like on YouTube and shit like that. But I yep. I know that the the record label uh, went bankrupt, and you know, so uh, the CDs you can't get them anywhere. You know, mm-hmm. so. But uh, I'm actually thinking of you know that that is a thing I need to be become you know on the speaking terms with Piper because I would like to uh, re-release of these albums because I'm too proud of them to just make them die. You know? Right. Right. So. Uh, how we'll how important do you think he was to the Wasp sound? Because you can kind of see as you get past um, the Last Command, you know what I mean. It really starts to change. I, I think he was a, a big piece of the sound. Absolutely, I, I can't take that away from him. You know, even though he, he wasn't like the songwriter, right? But the way he plays, and also his background vocals, yeah, and he has a lot of cool ideas. And I must say, I, I was up jamming with Chris Hall when he was in Sweden last time. And we sat and we had a long talk, and the thing is, just going out and playing with him, you hear Wasp, you know yeah. what I mean, in the guitar yeah. playing, you know. He shouldn't sing, but playing guitar, he <laughs> can still, you know. But, but, but he's such a good guy, he's such a fucking good guy, too. And uh, the, the whole thing, I must say, that those two guitars, they, they are, you know, 75% of the sound, you know. Yeah. They are, because it's not a flashy guitar playing, it's like... It's so much balls, and then it's all of a sudden a little blues. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I love that. Do you have a favorite Wasp album? First one. First one? Without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. First one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know I know every song in and out. I even actually had a, a tribute to Wasp, it's called. You can check it out on Facebook. There's a whole show where we actually do like a tribute to uh-huh. the first one. We play, uh, we even, you know, had the meat and <laughs> everything, you know. So that uh, was the first one. That 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 is my my go to uh, go to. But but even I must say, I, I, Last Command I also like a lot. You know, there's a few really really good songs on that. But uh, I do hate the sound of it. You know, so it's uh, having a hard time listening to it just because of the sound. Yeah, know? I think I like Last Command just for the songs because I think they're just so good. They're catchy. They're fun. Oh yeah, and also I must say, I mean, it was like. All of a sudden, it was washed with uh, money. <laughs> you yeah. can see that. I mean, it, it looked it looked expensive, and it, you know everything was a little bit flashier, you know. But, uh, but but still, that's why I think I I, I like the first one because it's so raw, it's so brutal in yeah. every way, and so shameless, you know. Um, and that is something I must say. Like the the two latest Wasp albums, or the first, um actually want to listen to after everything's done. Some people hold like yeah, oh, 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 Headless Children and uh, the the opera, what's it called? Oh, Crimson uh, Idol? 
Yeah, like the best thing ever. For me, it's no. That's no. not washed. No. I mean, it's like they, they want to sound like they ooh, do a Tommy, you know? Yeah. I don't I don't think that. I, I want the metal washed, you know? Yes. I'm with oh. you. Yeah, they do all those. He puts all those crazy fills in all those songs, and it drives me nuts. I mean, the drums, I mean, they're all over the place. It's like uh, he's an acid or something, the drummer, because it's like totally just drum fills. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, it's not for me. <laughs> but I got to tell you, uh, now I'm speaking about Wasp, I got to tell you something. When I was in Cincinnati, it was my birthday, and Piper came in, and... Uh, when I was in bed, you know, and sang for me. And it said, like, I know it's such a, you know, geek you are, it was. So here's one of the skulls that I had in my stage outfit, you know, that was would change, you know, to the legs and shit like that. Yeah. So I got that, and I also got the I Fuck Like a Beast EP, uh, signed by Tony Richards, an original one, you know. Wow. So I was so happy, man. <laughs> <laughs> now I know you haven't talked to him in a long time, but what, are you hearing any? Is, is he done with music? Because he's been pretty inactive on social media, online. He's he's kind of like just missing. I don't know. I don't know. To be honest, uh, the thing is, what I the, the good thing what I've uh, what I've heard is that he's sober. He's been sober now for like ten years, I think. Good, you know. But that's the last thing I heard. And he ran off with the manager from Where Angels Suffer and became a Christian. And uh, God knows what, you know. Okay. Uh, as long as he, his health is getting better, because when we were working, he was drinking like 19 beers a day, you know. Wow. And it was like, and he has an illusion of that. I, uh, He was so fucking angry with me, you know, with money and all that shit. And then when I started to tell him that, you always say that black didn't pay you for your, you, you know, for your royalties and shit. And I went into that scap and, you know, he had an account, you know, who can transfer money if you don't have a bank account to start with? <laughs> right, right. So, I mean, that was his situation back then. Now I think this go from the ass has shaped him up really good. And I hope he has a good life, man. Yeah. And uh, the thing is, I'm, I'm, I'm really sad what happened, you know, because they went out with wearing your software and, they they released an album. I don't know if you know this, but they released an album that actually was all the songs from Animal. You know the two albums I made. Oh, okay. And they and they just ripped those CDs and made that into like a best off and the new cover saying "Where I Just Suffer." They even put my name as a producer on the back. Oh, really? <laughs> so I called up. Yes, yeah, so I called up ASCAP and. Uh, uh, they, and I had my lawyer to look into this, and they they were supposed to have like a release party at Viper Room or something in LA. So they were actually standing outside the FBI and everyone saying like, if if you even sell an album right now, you know, breaking the law. So, and they were at Device record label as well, you know, but they had to, you know, take away everything, and it took like two weeks, and everything was gone. But mm. the good part is, I became a good friend with Stead Howland and. Uh, you know, these guys, you know, because they understood me. They understood because they fired Piper right away. You know, oh, wow. he was lying. He said that I, I own all the rights. It's my name. It's just Randy Piper's animal. But that's not how it works, you know. So those, I got to tell you, there's one day I was, I was, a lot of times what I'll do is, uh, yeah, I'm getting older. Sometimes I get tired during the day and I, I was listening to Spotify, right? I, I was listening to some music and I fell asleep and I woke up. And I wake up to Gathering of Kings because, you know, Spotify will just throw mm-hmm. random stuff on. And I'm like, I think it was the song Savior. And I was like, this is amazing. 
And then I start yeah. looking it up because on Spotify, obviously, it's just songs. You don't know who's involved. You don't know anything. So you have to go online and try yeah. to look it up. And I see that you're involved with that project, and it's a lot of musicians, you know, uh, from where you live. Uh, mm-hmm. Talk about that a little bit, because I think, man, I think that's an amazing album. Yeah, it's a good album. The, the, the whole project actually started by a music fan uh, who wanted to, to do, like, uh, his, idea, his whole idea was actually to do, like, a phenomena uh, project, remember? Mm-hmm. You know, and, uh, and I was supposed to be the producer. So that's how it all started. But then I became a member in Pretty Mates, a pretty producer. So they asked me just to be involved in some songs. And I, I, I think I'm playing two, um, two backing vocals on two tracks. And then they got the first gig was at Sweden Rock Festival. And they asked me to join to play live. So I did one show with them. Uh, it was great. But now they decided that it's a band, you know. Okay. So, um, yeah. So, and I can't, I can't commit to that, you know. So... Uh, so both me and Bjorn is out, uh, Bjorn Strid, who's in soil work and nightlight orchestra and all this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they have their band and it's still good. I mean, I heard the second album as well. It's really good. I mean, if you like that kind of music, it's brilliant. Yeah. So. Yeah, because I mean, I'm loving it. I, I'm trying to think. I've got some of the songs. Oh, Out of My Life, Forever in a Day. I mean, those are really catchy, yeah. excellent, like except for fans who like the 80s style and the melodic rock. It's great stuff. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a young dude who's writing the songs. I mean, I think he's about even thirty years old. And wow. he, he's quite he's quite a star, actually. No, no, but it, it was all a fun project. I mean, you can can you imagine we were like eighteen people in Sweden Rock, you know, <laughs> and you two singers for each fucking song, and you know it was it was mayhem. You know, I think we made like five cents each because we were so many people. Right, you know? right. <laughs> but, but it was, it was fun. It was fun. So yeah. you've got some pretty cool solo stuff out there too, man. I was listening to some songs like uh, Kiss Tonight and Playing With Fire. you got some solo stuff that's got that, you know, that kind of vibe of music that you like, the late 80s, early 90s, you know, hair metal music. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I did those back in 2009 and 2010, so it's, it's quite, you know, a long time ago. I must say it's mm-hmm. ridiculous how time flies, but... But there are some cool guests on these albums, and uh, I co-wrote a couple with Bruce Kulick, nice. and I have people from Crash Diet, I have, you know, from uh, Europe, Ian Haugland is playing drums, and, you know, you know there's uh, tons of people involved. I even have Brian Robertson from St. playing guitar, you know, guitar solo on one track, and, wow. you know. So it was great fun, because I was working at Steve Gold Polar Studios, and... Uh, when I got this record contract, you know, it was a win-win because I was hired by the studio, so I had my, my, my paycheck from the studio. At the same time, as I was hiring, you know, <laughs> renting the studio with myself as a producer, so I got paid for that too. No, no, but you know what I mean? So it was like a dream scenario. So those two albums was just me booking a studio for a month, writing songs, recording, calling up friends, I'll buy you beers and lunch, please play. Mm-hmm. You know, it was so much fun. And then it was actually an idea to do a third one, but I decided to go for Ladies Legion as a band instead because we actually made a tour opening up Wasp, how Wasp always comes back in my life. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and, um, uh, but these guys were so good to me, you know, the, the, the backing band. So we decided to call it a band, you know. So okay, here's the big question, Chris. You've played with so many of your heroes. Who's a hero you want to mm-hmm. play with? Who, who, who are you dying to work with? Uh, there's two. You know, it, I, I'd die to work with Paul Stanley. 
yeah. know, just to write songs with him. That yep. would be brilliant. And I would love to produce the Leopard. I mean, that's my next one. But, okay, I, I have a third one also. <laughs> if Shaska Messiah would reunite, I would... <laughs> yeah. I, I got to do that, you know. <laughs> well, you know, you make an interesting point with some things you said earlier because when when you said like when you worked with Zinni Zan and you and you created some songs that were kind of like of the Shotgun Messiah vibe, I think as fans with all of us, we would love to kind of have the keys to the kingdom per se, right? To to say like, okay, Shotgun Messiah is going to do an album, but maybe they need somebody to to get them refocused on their old sound. I mean, like 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 I said, you could do that being a fan and being a producer and a musician. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I think so. I mean, we actually went out. Yeah, what year was it? We we did a shotgun tour. We mm-hmm. only called it shotgun because we were only half of Shotgun Messiah. Right, it was right. Zinzan and it was sticks and drums and it was me on bass and then we had Rob Marcello on guitar. Mm-hmm. Just to, to pay attention that Steady or, you know, that original name of the first album uh, was 25 years. So we, we made quite a large tour, you know, festivals and clubs and shit. And, you know, for me, I know exactly because I've, I've followed this band since, you know, day one. I even have the demos before they became, you know, Kingpin, Kingpin uh, yeah. the first name was. And, you know, so, and uh, me and Sticks are like, we are totally best friends. Me and my wife, we're always down where they live, you know, like twice or three times a year. And we spend a weekend and we're just drinking, eating, and then listening to demos and go down in his basement and jam and, <laughs> you, you know. Uh, no, I, I would consider myself the right person to actually to do Shaka Messiah. I think so. Zinni and his would absolutely say so too. Yeah. Now I got one for you. This is one I think that you'd be able to do good with. And this is a person that really needs to put out some new music is Vinnie Vincent. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> too long. It's been too long. He needs some new music. New music, and this time I actually don't think it's going to do all this shredding and shit that they, they always talk about because that that's not important for me. He should do a singer-songwriter album, you yeah. know, like an almost AORish kind of album, you know, yeah. with songs like Tears and, you know, Back on the Streets and all that shit. That he, you know, he's such a talented songwriter. I mean, my favorite song is a unreleased song called uh, Gypsy in a Rise. Yes, yep. Which is fantastic, you know. And, you know, we should do that. I mean, right now people are using Kenny Shred. That's not important. Kenny nope. Wright, that's the important shit, you know. Exactly, exactly. But uh, I'll, I'll die for it. I mean, <laughs> I actually, yesterday, I, yesterday I bought a handwritten <laughs> letter for a hundred bucks, you know. Really? <laughs> because I love it. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> From Snowden, I don't know if you know who David yes, Snowden. David Snowden, yeah, yep. uh, yeah, yeah. So I actually contacted him directly, and I was like, "Yeah, well, I don't have much left, but I have this like handwritten letter, you know, signed by Vinny." And I was like, "How much? Ah, <laughs> uh, you give me a price," and I was like, "Ah, you get a hundred bucks," <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> now you know what song I love is um, "No Substitute." I don't know how they, why they didn't release that song. Such a good song. Such a good song. It's such a good song. And, you know, the, the whole first album has some really good stuff on it. The second one is almost even better. I mean, I think so. Yeah. That time of year, ecstasy, you know, oh. ooh, ashes to ashes. I mean, come on. It's that crazy. Should be a big fucking album, I think, you know. Yeah. And for me still, I <clears throat> I go to this album 
a lot. You know, I, I it, and now I'm actually talking about <clears throat> the songs, not not the insane guitar playing. You know, because I know we can do that, but it's not interesting for me. Yeah. I want the songs. You know. Yeah. And I want the solo like um, a million to one with Kiss. I mean, yeah. when he plays like that, it gives you goosebumps. I mean, on places you won't mention on a podcast. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. And I think you know. And I think maybe what plagued Vinnie Vincent Invasion is you know all the drum fills, the over the top shredding, the super high vocals. If they kind of dialed it down, mm-hmm. they probably could have had that radio success. You know what I mean? Absolutely, and I and I say I say you're completely right when because you know I'm a big Kiss collector and especially with Vinnie Vincent and uh, if you listen to the demos he did of most of these songs when he sings them he has a darker voice you yes. know and all of a sudden he gets it balls and when you hear this it's like screeching and ah you know it's just too much you know yeah yeah he he would need a producer that was holding his ear going like ah, no 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 <laughs> you know right. <laughs> <laughs> But don't you think now, as you being a producer, you've got to see this. I noticed this with albums, and you could uh, use Kiss as an example because I know you're a big Kiss fan. Obviously, I am too. I mean, look at an album like Hot in the Shade. It's a good album, but there's too many songs. Now, that's produced by Paul and Gene. You get to something like Revenge, it's a little bit more focused, you know what I mean? And it has stronger yeah. songs, you know? Yeah. So I think all these guys have a ton of talent, but but sometimes you've got to let somebody lead this band and, and kind of structure them and, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, but but I think that's true. I mean, I, I've done this band called Crazy Licks uh, here in Sweden, yep. and I produced w- what is still the most selling album they've done called uh, New Religion. <laughs> and the thing is, that they, then they're supposed to, to, to produce it themselves, and the next album just went down the drain, you know. And now we're working together. I, I'm not producing, but I'm mixing them, you okay. know, all the time. But, but the thing is with producing, it's actually to find, it's easy for artists. Now I'm not talking about, you know, crazy leaks, but, but, but in general is that you, you go in and you work with a producer and you think, aha, now we don't need him because now we know exactly how it's done. Right. And then I get stuff sent to me and I hear that they, they grasped the ID, but they did it all backwards. You know what I mean? That I, I have like tons of guitars playing different sounds and do 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 but there's always place, you know, a, a spot for it, you know, mm-hmm. instead of, okay, now's the chorus, but nothing is coming in. I mean, how did you think? Everything was in reverse, you know? So it, it has a lot to do with arrangements. And that, that that is what I think the whole 80s, actually, you know, I'm, I'm raised on that. I know that shit. I was there, you know. Yep. And it's so cool to work with my old heroes, you know, because they find a, a young dude or young, I'm soon 50 for fuck's sake, but, but younger <laughs> than, <they're, laughs> than they are. But, uh, you know, so, somehow that I have the knowledge, I have my studio, uh, and I know how to get that sound that it sounds like they have a million in, in cash, you know, in the budget, but, you know, they don't. Uh, the problem is that they, like, for instance, I mean, I, I, I fucking love the, the, the latest uh, Stephen Percy album. Okay. But it sounds crap. I don't right. know why they do that. And I know they're more expensive in the States than sending the fucking files to me. I mean, <laughs> so uh, I think it's it's weird. The thing goes with Striper. I, I love Striper, but why can't I mix it? Because it's always sounding like budgets. Yeah. Know? 
Let, let me ask you this, because there's a few albums, I mean, there's a lot of albums that I think sound incredible, and most of them Thank fall you. Most of them fall in the 90s. And a couple that come to mind are uh, Striper Against the Law, mm-hmm. TNT, totally mind blank. Oh, Realized ah, fa- okay, okay. Fantasies. It, 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 it. Yep, Realized oh. Fantasies. And even, you know what I was listening yeah, exactly. to the other day was Ingve, I think, Facing the Animal. Uh, all those albums have like a big production. Now, let me ask you this as a producer. How much would it would it cost any more today to make albums that sound like that? Did they have big budgets to make those albums, or is it just on the way that you do it? The thing is, well, it it, it helps to have a big budget, but but the thing is, it, it was ridiculous budgets. I mean, if someone would pay me, it would be like five percent of what they paid for that fucking album to start with. Right. You know what I mean? So it it, it all depends on who and why. I mean, you can have Rob Rob Edison or whomever, you know. I know they're not that expensive anymore because, you know, there's no money anymore. Right. And and then it's just the knowledge to make it happen, you know, to to actually know, know, uh, know how to create the sound um, and actually to know the band, to, to know that, okay, we want it to sound like this, but with a modern touch because you still need to be modern in the whole thing. You can't right. make something. If I would mix, you know, uh, let's say, you know, Shotgun Messiah album today, it would sound a thousand times better, I think, but it wouldn't be good as the old one because you, you know how it sounded. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so you have to you have to have that old feel but have a, a modern touch. So I would go in and listen to, you know, to backtrack of what the, the band has done and come up with an idea, okay? I really think this is like you in the guitar mm-hmm. song. So that's what we're going to do, but we're going to have big drums or whatever it is, you know. So it's very important for me to, to mix with having uh, the fans in mind all the time. And since I'm a fan, I, I mix after what I would love to hear the band do. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Right, right. Let's think back to, like, go back to that Striper Against the Law. That's an amazing sounding mm-hmm. album. Boy, it was 31 years yeah. ago. Hasn't the tech caught up where you can make that same sound on a smaller budget? Yeah, the thing is, you can. You mm-hmm. can. Uh, the thing is, uh, the budget back then was actually going for tape ops. You know, the guys, they had a guy who was only doing like recording and stop and, you know, fixing tapes. Mm-hmm. And then you had the engineer that was only there to engineer. You might have two because they did double shifts. And then you had a producer who did nothing more than say yes or no and uh, talk about arrangements. And then you had, you know, it's just snowballing in budgets, you know. Right. And right now, the problem is that a lot of people call themselves producers, but they only mix the album. And that's not fair because the producer, his first job is actually to, to keep within the budget and do the best they can within the budget. That's the number one. Number two is to... To, to get the band to feel good, to deliver and all that, and go through the songs, lyrics, everything, arrangements, be there, produce, you know, rehearse with the band. I, I do that all the time. I travel and I record the re- rehearsals and we do changes in arrangements. I work with the drummer and how the, the pattern should be when he or she is playing. And, you know, and then I send that off to them and go like, okay, so this is it. And now we rehearse for a month. And then we go into the studio. Then you know exactly what to do. You know, yeah. so that is pretty much how I work, and that is what I think a producer should do. You know, and not just get the files and 
and do some cool sounds. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I can do that as a mixing guy as well. And then the budget is nothing. So let me ask you this one. Is music now being produced to be listened to on a small device or on headphones? Because back in the day with those old albums, I had a giant stereo right, with speakers. Now, a lot of times when I'm at home yeah. and everybody's home, I'm listening to shit on headphones and earbuds and, and you know, through the phone. Is, is music being produced for this uh, reason now? No, I don't think so. No. Not, not in the rock genre. Okay. No. I mean, I'm sitting here with my, my gentle legs that cost a fortune, you know, and what I do is I mix here, and when I feel it's, you know, sounding terrific, you know, then I mail it to myself as an MP3. Okay. <laughs> and I listen to my earbuds, you know, to see if I feel that it's something missing. Because you have to have, it, have that in mind as well, you know, that, you know, you get kind of spoiled. It's only us studio guys who have these kind of speakers, so mm-hmm. you've got to work on different you know, different kinds of ways of enjoying the music. But no, I don't have it in mind. I don't. I just mix what I feel is good. Yeah, yeah definitely. Well, hey, man, this has been a great conversation. Uh, anything you want to say to your fans out there in closing? Yeah, I'm going to say one thing, that I'm working with Natamix right now. Oh, so okay. Hopefully we will uh, have something out this year or maybe early next year. You know, so we're a lot of songs in. I think we have nine my tracks are ready to go, and it's going to be like the the old kind of Madame X, you know, with anthems and shit. So I think you're going to dig it. I think you're going to dig it. I even want the old logo back. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. I can't wait yeah. to hear all this stuff. Well, man, thank you guys for, for enjoying my music. And, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm very humbled because I'm a family. You know, I love music. And... Uh, when people like you and me talk and you know I just feel right at home Uh, that's the way it should be I think you know I agree man it's been great talking with you it sounds like we're pretty close in age we grew up on the same music so you know I'm sure we'll be talking some more I hope so man but take care and be safe okay you too Chris Well, that was a great episode with Chris. Make sure you check out all the different projects he's involved with. Rock on!